Welcome back to the Congregation 5 Podcast. I'm Matt Avery, and I am here today with two friends, Miss Reagan McFarlane, Mrs. Reagan McFarlane, no disrespect to Jeffrey, and Mr. John David Skipworth. Welcome. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I would love to hear you guys tell a little bit about yourselves and, and how you got to Midtown. So, Reagan, you'll go first. So I am a originally from Florida, and I basically grew up there my whole life, lived in Mississippi for a hot minute, but that's besides the point, <laughs> and then went to Florida State University and got a job while I was still in college remote in Nashville. And so I was actually working remote in Florida and then moved to Nashville shortly after in 2016. It was kind of a weird time for me because I was actually recently engaged and had this tight-knit community in Florida. So literally left my fiance and my friends and everyone kind of behind to move to Nashville and didn't really know anyone. So it was actually a really hard time for me moving to the city. And then I was hopping around churches by myself, which is definitely a scary thing. Um, actually went to a couple of young adult nights at Midtown, which is also a little bit uncomfortable when you show up alone. <laughs> and then I just kept going back to Midtown. And then my husband, Jeffrey, he moved to Nashville about like four months later, and um, we got married in 2017, and we've been here since, and it's been amazing. I mean, I love Nashville so much. It's 100% my home. Never going back to Florida. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> love visiting, but yeah, Nashville's been really great for me. Awesome. And uh, tell us what you do for work. Yeah, um, I work for an agency downtown. I do video and photography. So that's actually what I went to school for. So I love that I get to do that. And then I actually freelance weddings and portraits and things on the side. So Awesome. John David. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So I've pretty much lived here my whole life. Grew up, left, and went to Knoxville where I uh, studied business and decided to come back because I just didn't get enough of my family those first 18 years. And um, so I moved to Nashville. <laughs> partial truth, partial joke. And did the fellows program here where I was assigned to a church and then came out of that and was just feeling a lot of transitions and remember just like praying, okay, God, I'm going to give myself, you know, this amount of time where I, I hope you can like lead me to a church where I feel like I'm going to connect and be encouraged and vibe with the preaching and the community that's there. And uh, Scott McKinney actually invited me to Midtown the first time during that season of kind of like looking for churches. There we go, Scott. And uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Scott. And now I've been there f since about 2015. Also during that time, I, I started teaching. So I'm a fifth grade math teacher. And that's it. Hey, and you guys were just talking about this when we got in here, but uh, tell me how y'all met. Like I said, I moved here like May of 2016. So this is probably like summer of 2016. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to some sort of themed party. Like I want to say it was like it had a theme. Yeah, I don't remember. But all I know is there were tons of people there. And obviously when you go to a party, it's kind of hard to like you kind of walk in and you're just like, all right, like don't know a ton of people. We had a mutual friend that invited us. And then I went to the kitchen probably to get some food or a drink and JD was right there and we just started chatting. I wondered who this cool hip girl was <laughs> with the, the clear glasses. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I like your glasses. And then we just started chatting and it ended up turning into like a very long conversation and people are walking by and there's music and it's pretty loud. And he and I were like in this deep conversation and it was just like, you're really cool. This is awesome. 
The thing that stuck out to me most was I remember remember meeting her and talking to her for a long time, but I knew that that was definitely a point when I was feeling pretty worn down and discouraged about teaching. And Reagan just had such a spirit of excitement and encouragement about it. And I just took that with me. And it, it made more of an impression than I realized in the moment. But I think it's definitely a telling experience of Reagan. Yes, yeah. that's that's exciting. That's the beginnings of Congregation 5. We're in a, a kitchen at a party in 2016. I know. That's crazy. Like, who would have ever known? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to take our people to why we're, we're here today and why we've got two guests instead of one is we're talking about community. We're getting into Acts 2, 41 through 47. So it just makes more sense to have a community of people instead of just two of us in here today. And these are Two people who I, I deeply love spending time with and uh, derive a lot of joy from hanging out with them. And so I uh, was very thankful that they were able to come join me today. So what is God doing in Congregation 5? God is building a community where He is doing supernatural work. He's doing wonders. He is bringing dead people to life. It doesn't get more amazing than that. And that is literally what He is going to do and is doing. And He's bringing awe on all of us. He is creating in us more supernatural things like being able to have a self-sacrificial love and to be generous and to worship and have gratitude. But he's doing these things in very normal, everyday, sometimes feeling very mundane means. And so uh, what does that mean for us? It means that each of us individually, I have to learn how to think like a we, because God says he's going to do this in our midst as a community. And so we need to be unified behind what he's doing and how he wants to do it. We've got to know what to devote ourselves to together and expect him to meet us in supernatural ways through those very normal, sometimes even boring means. And so that's what we're going to talk about today in this passage. So John David, will you take us there? Yeah. Acts two forty one through 47. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together, And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we are talking about God using normal means to bring out supernatural fruit. So we're going to start talking about these normal means. We'll call them spiritual disciplines. And the first thing I want us to think about is it says that these people— were continually devoting themselves to these things. And so uh, that word devoted in the Greek means to keep close with intentional effort, even in great difficulty. So I want to ask you all, what what does that require of me to be devoted to something? What does that look like? I think about something that I'm prioritizing, that I'm sacrificing for, and that I'm day by day just continuing to place my focus upon. Like right now, I'm training for a triathlon and each day like I have this set path before me and 
and I know the things I have to do, and sometimes there's bumps in the road, and I have to fix things, or I have to, you know, massage certain muscles, or, you know, get sleep, and just this path that I'm continually, day by day, choosing rather than other distractions. And I think that I love the way that this lays out a set of things that are this path towards, you know, building community that God is going to use to accomplish his mission. Yeah, I love that. I was going to say something similar, just like a devotion to something is not just a, I have to do this, or this is what's required of me. It's like something that starts within, like in your heart of Mm. just a devotion to something um, which requires a lot of your time and everything in your everyday life is revolved around this devotion. And it should be just like you were saying, like I was training for a half marathon before COVID-19 hit. And I was going to mention that I was actually taking my time to make sure I was running my miles. But if I did not have this devotion, knowing I was running 13.1 miles at the end of this, I would not be doing that. You (laughs) know, I'm not going to like, oh, I'm going to run eight miles today. Like, no, that was not something that was on my forefront until I signed up for something that I was devoting my time to because I wanted to be able to succeed and do well and feel accomplished in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking as we're talking, devotion is actually freeing for me because I don't know about y'all, but something that I really struggle with a lot is I can live on the anxiety, the hamster wheel of Mm -hmm. just hyper analysis. I mean, I can't even find a way to sit down with just the Lord and my Bible in prayer and be hyper analyzing what should I be reading? How much should I be reading? How Mm -hmm. much should I be listening? And so (laughs) for somebody like me who's wired that way, Devotion is a great gift of freedom because it tells me, you know, just like you guys were talking about in training for these physical, you know, half marathon, triathlon, there's something freeing about knowing what I need to do. And then when I do it, it's done. I don't have to worry anymore. It's like, okay, these are the steps that I have to take. And there they are. And now I don't have to think and wonder what else should I be doing? And it truly is a choice that we're making. I mean, it's not like JD's mom told him he has to run it or do a triathlon, you know? <laughs> she might have, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. They're pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the reality is that we are all devoted to something and many things oftentimes, but that's something we've got to keep in our heads is it's not a choice of whether or not to be devoted to something because we're, we're going to devote ourselves to something. So for us to all know, that's how I'm wired. I'm wired to give myself to something. I'm wired to give myself away And what we need to understand is that we're always doing that. We're always giving ourselves away to something, but it it would really be great to know what that something was and to make a conscious decision, is this something worth devoting myself to? And here the Lord is saying, hey, here's some good things to devote yourself to. I love that. And I resonate with, as you were talking, I was thinking about the power of a yes and the power of no and just how freeing it can be when you have your sights set on something and you know what you're saying yes to. I really struggle when I don't know what to say yes to and Mm -hmm. I, I can get trapped in that. This is such a big vision and what God desires to do in our community and world is so big and that can create a lot of anxiety in me if scripture like this is not speaking into my life to say, hey, choose this day by day. And don't you love that the Lord is not asking us to be the ones that come to the table with the supernatural things, that he says, don't worry about that. You can't do that. I'm going to do all of that. I'm the one that's going to bring awe and wonders and bring the dead to life and transform you. But all I'm asking you to do are these very normal things. So what are these things? The things that we have laid out in this passage, the apostles' teaching. So that's the word, just being devoted to 
the word as it's taught and preached on Sunday mornings and talked about in small groups and just on your own as you spend time with the Lord in His Word. It's the fellowship, it's gatherings, it's friendships, it's building relationships, it's what happens in our small groups. The breaking of bread, having dinners, just being in homes with each other, taking communion, being reminded in a very tangible way of the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has given for us. And the prayers, it's, you know, this this idea that the hours throughout the history of the church, and even in Judaism, there's this idea of praying together in the morning and then around noon and then around evening time. And so just being devoted to the Lord in prayer. And so with those four things that we have in this passage, I just want to ask you guys, how have you seen God use one or more of these means specifically in your life to mature you lately? Yeah, the ones that stick out, especially lately, because obviously it is just different times, but I feel like the way the Lord wired me is so just relational. Relationship- I would affirm that. <laughs> <laughs> Relationships are a huge deal to me. And like when I meet someone, like I already want to get their number and like get coffee with them. And obviously, you know, we, I haven't really been in people's homes and like having dinners and stuff. But one thing that I love to do is have people over and have communion and have these conversations. But one thing that I've seen in my life recently is, um, and I've kind of shared this with you, Matt, but I have been going on walks with a lot of girls that I feel like I haven't had the opportunity or time to do when life was more crazy. So the fact that I've been able to slow down and go on these walks and have these deep conversations, have these hard, you know, questions and answers and just getting to know each other has built such solid, rich relationships. And I'm like pumped about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Reagan, I just want to encourage you. I, I know I've already told you this, but so many of those women have specifically mentioned you and talked about what a deep encouragement it's been. There was a span of like two weeks where every time I would call or run into somebody or check in on somebody, everyone, like what would come out of their mouth was, yeah, it's actually been pretty great. I've been hanging out with Reagan a lot. Wow, Reagan's really, she's digging in. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's been amazing. And it's been something that's just been such an encouragement because I feel like, and I've said this to them, I feel like these are relationships that wouldn't have been built the way they are if it wasn't for the pandemic, honestly. Just the time that we've had in the phone calls at like 3 p.m., which normally I'd be in the office and just, yeah, it's been amazing. And I think that's something that has helped mature me because not only are these conversations funny and we laugh, but we're also talking about the Lord in our lives and our struggles right now. And so that's been huge for me. Yeah, for me, I actually been during the pandemic reflecting on what has been maturing me lately. And I think a big part of it is that for a a long time, I've loved teaching and I've loved fellowship, especially. But these four combined in our little community with C5 lately, like God has really like challenged me to um, mature through doing these with people, the same people, the same small group of people. Mm. And I oftentimes have noticed the fruit of a different posture towards God or a different posture towards people that are not walking with the Lord or even brothers and sisters who are walking with the Lord. I think that doing this teaching and this fellowship and then the breaking of the bread and the prayer in a smaller group of people has really... I think pushed me and and kind of pruned some things and helped draw out some fears that have definitely been making me 
more confident in, I think, the identity that God's speaking and calling me into. And I'll say for me, the answer to that question has definitely been in the prayers. You know, that's something that we, we sent a video out this week where we've decided instead of just having one time to, uh, we, we've been praying and fasting together for Congregation 5 on Thursdays. And during the pandemic, we've been meeting via Zoom at 8 a.m. And uh, the Lord just continues to transform me through prayer and fasting. I, I told people in the video that I can count on two hands the amount of days that I've fasted in my life until we started doing this. And just what a gift it's been. It really has been what everybody says, which is, you know, fasting is not going without. It's going without food so that you can feast on God and and that He gives you Himself in new and different ways when we do that. And it just helps us to pay attention. That's been so true for me. And just to pray together with the brothers and sisters of Congregation 5 in the way that God is using those times to shape us, and He's using those times to unite us and, and make a bunch of eyes a we has just been very, very deeply encouraging, but also God's been using that to mature me a lot in this season. I want to ask you guys next, you know, these are pretty mundane things, but obviously we don't always engage in these things and it's not always easy to engage in these things. And so what makes it difficult for you to be devoted to one or all of these things, whether it's, you know, one of these things in particular is hard for you or just the devotion aspect in general, what are the things that keep you from these things? For me, I think that prayer is a really challenging one for me. I love prayer when there's a beginning and an end that's very defined and a little bit on the shorter side. But I think that as I'm growing up, the way that I see prayer life changing, it is really difficult for me to devote myself to that because this orphan mindset just becomes so powerful and so tempting for me to listen to. And and there is a lot of fear in, you know, the vulnerability of being present with a God who is not necessarily on the same agenda as you and also, you know, bringing your heart and your desires and and the burdens and sort of the, the way that you're seeing life, you know, how it's sitting with you. That's really scary for me, and it's scary because I don't know what's going to happen when that conversation, when that being present with those things with the Lord plays out. And I'm really scared that because I won't know the results, I won't know what to look for, I can easily convince myself that I'm actually alone, that God isn't present with me. And um, that is definitely a way that Satan really accuses me and definitely like steals away this gift that the Lord does call us to devote our lives to in this passage. Thanks for sharing that. I think the one that is definitely sticking out to me is the teaching of the word. I feel like, you know, Jeffrey and I are small group leaders and we're kind of more just facilitating, but also teaching in a way. But besides that, my everyday life is not me teaching to my coworkers or those who don't know the Lord. Um, I don't really know what that looks like, honestly, because I feel like, you know, I share my thoughts on social media and people know where my heart lies, but that's not the same as actively teaching like these apostles were with these groups of people. And when I was reading this, I'm like, wow, this is actually a lot more simple than I make it out to be in my head. Like, I feel like I get so caught up in it being scary and complicated, and it's really not. And I just feel like it's something that's difficult for me 
even though talking and sharing things I'm passionate about aren't hard for me. So that's kind of what comes to mind. Reagan, I love that you shared that because when I read that, I think, you know, being devoted to the apostles' teaching is receiving it. It's allowing someone to teach you, which is true, but also the way that you read that is another piece that's true, is to be devoted to the apostles' teaching is a two-way street, is to be devoted to always be receiving it from others, and it's also to be devoted to sharing it. And so, yeah, that's something that I didn't even think about as we were coming into this passage. So I I love that you just shared that and, and were thinking like that. And I would say, for me, my answer would probably be the breaking of bread, just having people in homes and dinners, you know, this stage of life with young kids and uh, another one on the way. You know, that's just hard. You get done with work and Lee gets done with her day with the boys, especially in this season where we're we're all at home and <laughs> there's not a lot of relief. And it's like, sometimes that's the last thing we want to do. But, you know, I love as we answer this question and as people who are listening to this answer this question for themselves our answers to that question of which of these is the hardest to be devoted to, that is also the answer to the question, why are these things necessary, you know? And I love that, you know, God's saying, hey, Matt, that's why I'm calling you into the breaking of the bread with people because it's not convenient. And sometimes you are tired and that's okay because one, you will receive joy in pouring yourself out when you're tired And two, maybe the thing that you're tired for is not actually physical rest. Maybe it's actually soul rest. And what you need is showing up at your front door and these people that you've invited into your home and the community that's going to be built there. And so, you know, the same same is true for (laughs) prayer and, and teaching. You know, these are the things, the things that we are harder for each of us. We're all wired so differently. Reveal why the Lord has called us into these disciplines. You know, I think about the times that I've trained for triathlons and I have a very strong preference on those three sports. I am terrible at swimming and uh, was a lot better at the bike. And so when I was training for triathlons, I would find myself training for the cycling part a lot because that was the part that was easy for me. But the problem is if I don't ever make myself go to the pool and swim, then we're going to have a problem when the triathlon day comes. But that was never something I looked forward to. And I think the same is true for these four things is there's always going to be one of these that's harder for us. And it can change from season to season, but that should be an indicator to us when we feel like, oh man, this one is tough. It's like, well, then we really need to lean in because the Lord's trying to give us a good gift in these things. Okay, so the Lord is using these natural, normal means to bear very supernatural fruit. And because our Father is a good Father, He is going to bear an abundance of this supernatural fruit. And so the phrase that I think really encapsulates all of the supernatural things that God is going to do in the midst of His people as they engage in these uh, spiritual disciplines with Him and with each other is this phrase from our passage, glad and generous hearts. There is something that happens that transforms our hearts from being cold and self-centered and very dependent on our circumstances for our happiness to now being transformed to to people with perpetually glad and generous hearts. It doesn't mean that we aren't going to have hard times. It doesn't mean we have to pretend like suffering isn't there, but there's something that's happening as he's transforming us. And so uh, we'll break that down into a few pieces here, but... Uh, The first, it says, awe came upon every soul because you are seeing the wonders that God is doing in you and your community 
he is using these normal spiritual disciplines as gateways to this supernatural work where he is doing wonders and we are experiencing awe. And so let me ask y'all, do you desire to experience awe? Yes. (laughs) Tell me more about that. I think it makes me think about this healthy fear that I have around, I don't want to get to the end of my life and just think all these things are good. I don't want to be just a good math teacher and just a good friend and a good roommate and a good son and, you know, potentially father and, you know, all these things. But I know when I am doing those things, there's a gift in it, but then there's also like, there also is this longing for like, God, are you doing something more here? I know that like, this is something that I want, that I want you to like actually make this something that has impact that's much greater than just just some like mundane thing that we're doing. Reagan, what about you? So as it says, all came upon every soul. I think of a childlike faith of when like a child is learning something new or seeing something for the first time. I mean, you're a dad. Their face, the things they say, it's probably just the most amazing thing to experience. Yes, to watch them experience things for the first time and just the joy and the excitement and the wonder on their face. I think a lot of times I'm more like, yeah, right, and questioning it and like wanting to find the answers for myself versus like trusting it and being in awe and just accepting it and meditating in it. I'm always like, no way or, you know, with anything in life. But yeah, I completely desire this. Reagan, I'm glad you said that because that's something that we all have to recognize as adults living in a fallen world, that there is some measure of cynicism in all of us because we've been disappointed enough times to where we've been a little bit snake bit on hoping and wanting to believe things that are good and wanting to believe that God is as good as he says he is and he still works wonders in supernatural ways like he says that he does. And so we need to, when we recognize that cynicism in our hearts, we need to bring that to him and have him do business with that because that's something that we can't change, but we can see that it's there and we can ask him to come and and transform that. I heard a a man say one time that he held up a finger, uh, one finger, and he said, there's one thing in the world that everybody wants to see, and that is the power of God. And I walked away thinking about that, and I think he's right. You know, I wanna see evidence that God is alive and active and moving in my life and in the world. And I even was thinking about this in a, a conversation I had the other day with somebody about suffering, suffering really wouldn't even be that big of a deal as long as I had this evidence that God is with me in it, you know? I mean, I can think about all these circumstances that might happen in my life, and if the Lord would audibly whisper in my ear, hey, Matt, it's me, and I'm with you in this, that would be a game changer. And so I think, you know, we're wired for this awe. We're wired to have this close contact with this grand, awesome, holy, supernatural God, and to know that He is with us and He's in us all the time. Uh, Another thing that stuck out to me here is that, especially in light of all of the protests and the, well, both things that are going on right now, the COVID and the quarantine season where everyone is apart physically, and then just the way that our country is divided politically and racially and all of the stuff that's coming out now with the issues about racial justice and reconciliation is this word together. This word together appears several times in our passage. And so it's not natural in a fallen world for fallen self-centered human beings 
to come together and to be unified around something and to have brotherly or sisterly love for one another in such a way that we would lay ourselves down for one another. But through these normal channels, God is doing this supernatural work of changing me from a narcissistic, self-centered, self-absorbed person to somebody who's my love for Jesus and neighbor is actually maybe starting to eclipse my love for myself. How have you guys experienced that change in your own life? How have you seen evidence of that? I love that you mentioned the together theme along with what's happening in our world right now. You know, with COVID, we have everyone living in their own homes and there's this very experienced lack of proximity that people are longing for. And then also with the inequality and the injustice that's in our world related to like systems around police and racial divides. And this passage definitely spoke into like that context is this idea of as God is making me new, he's actually showing me on very small and big levels the ways that I am not my own, but I'm part of a body. It matters more than is my bank account getting bigger or is my career moving further along or in a room, like is that girl across the room that I want to talk to because I want to get what I want. But there might be a relationship in between that is really the person that God in that moment is wanting me to be present with. And so Mm. I felt really strongly lately that God is showing me there's all these moments where it's not just about my desires and like my hopes between me and God, but actually that God is inviting me to sort of bear others' burdens and also like hold the desires of other in my heart. It goes to small little moments of generosity and longer moments of just being present with someone. And even like as trickled into like God inviting me to say like, okay, you're being present with me, but in this moment, I'm putting on your heart what this friend or this coworker is being weighed down by or has their heart broken by and functioning more as a body and we then God's here to take my life in the direction that I want it to. And that's what I think of. And I think that the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers has really like it really pushes you to when you do this together as a community, it pushes you to to see yourself not as an individual because you are hearing others uh, share their lives and share their desires and their needs and their hopes and, you know, just what's going on in their life. And God is building a community where what matters to all of them matters to him. He's inviting my heart to be shaped in that same way where it matters to me. JD, I love that you you said that because it got me thinking about how when things truly change inside of you, things will begin to change around you. And I think a lot of times our brains think the opposite way of needing to change the things around you first and then yourself. And I think that's something that we can be selfish with in a way because in order for me to pour into people and love my community, I have to be healthy spiritually and emotionally. Obviously, there's bumps in the road and there's things that I'm always going to be working on. But I feel like in my life, there came a point where I was so concerned about others and pouring into others that I wasn't actually taking time to myself. But also that includes my reactions too, like how I react to Jeffrey. It all starts within. And so if I'm not handling a situation maturely and in my heart, just changing in that way, 
as far as just like even a disagreement with my husband, things won't go well. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, I just think about how like a lot of it starts within. And Jeffrey and I have these conversations all the time about how a lot of times at the end of a disagreement or something we're dealing with, we talk about ourselves and how we feel like we need to be changing in our hearts in order for us to love each other better. We kind of like take a step back and look inwardly. And I feel like a lot of times our conversations kind of end that way. And with any relationship, whether it's roommates, marriages, family, we have these unmet expectations. And I hate that they're there sometimes because I don't always communicate it. And I think a lot of times those expectations I have in my heart, I need to kind of relook at those and kind of see like, is this more about me or are these healthy expectations unhealthy? And I think that is with anything, when it, even when it comes to starting a new congregation. And I know, Matt, you've talked about this, but having expectations and what we want out of this church, but also like there's healthy ones and unhealthy ones, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's something I deal with all the time is just coming to the Lord and coming to these means that are, are actually to help me help us get on the same page as each other. But a lot of times I come with demands of, of I need this to happen. But Reagan, what you said is what David says in a lot of the Psalms, which is, you know, you hear so many of these Psalms where David's saying, I'm in trouble. There are people who are treating me unjustly. And he goes on and on about how tough his circumstances are and how all this injustice. And then the very next thing he says is, Lord, forgive me of my sin. You know, and that's a sign of maturity is I need to recognize that things will change when I deal with my sin with you, Lord. I love that you brought that up. The last thing I want to say about our passage before we go is uh, this beautiful final verse that the Lord is adding to their number day by day, those who are being saved. And the Lord is creating through these very normal means that we're talking about and people who are devoted to these normal means this community that's like a garden that has excellent growing conditions for new life and little seedlings to come in and grow and be changed and matured and transformed. And I know that if we have more time, all three of us can share stories about how Midtown has been that greenhouse for us. And uh, that is our prayer, is that Congregation 5, that the Lord would bring very young plants and even (laughs) plants that don't exist yet into our presence, into our community so that he could use us like a greenhouse, one, to continue to grow one another up to full maturity, but two, that he would bring people who don't yet know him and people who are just starting to understand who he is into our community so that they could also grow to full maturity in our midst and that we could be a part of that process. And so, Reagan and John David, thank you all for coming today. It's uh, just such a joy to be with you guys and so thankful to have you all to link arms with and and plant Congregation 5 with. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for having me. (laughs) C5 has been a huge blessing for me, for sure, and just the people I've met already. And so I cannot wait to see how it flourishes and grows. So, Uh, Me too. Well, hey, let me pray for us. Father, we we come to you and we, we give this to you. You give us this passage and we give it back to you and say, Lord, help us to be devoting ourselves to these means, these spiritual disciplines that you've given us. Lord, grow us together as a body, unite us to do your will and to get on board with what you've given us for our good and for your glory and for our growth and maturity in Christ and the freedom that comes with that, the healing that comes with that, the restoration that comes with that, Lord. And and we ask that you would add people day by day to our body to experience the same healing and transformation in this community that is your body. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.